0: The presenting sponsor of today's podcast is Fifth Element CBD. Fifth Element is ultra-high milligram CBD focused on relief and recovery after a workout. They are specially designed for people with an active lifestyle from weekend warriors to professional athletes to bucket list gym enthusiasts. Fifth Element, aka 5E, is full-spectrum high milligram hemp to help you whenever, wherever you need it, whether it's after the gym or after work. Get yours today to feel better tomorrow by visiting 5ehemp.com and use the promo code MONSTER for 50% off. Yes, you heard that right. 50% off. Half off. That's 5ehemp.com and use the code MONSTER. Go to 5ehemp and get 50% off. That's the number 5, the letter E, hemp.com. ehempcom Welcome back to another episode of the Over the Monster podcast. Uh, As is the case every week, uh, it is me, your host, Matt Collins, and I am joined, as always, by Brian Joyner. And uh, usually this is the time when I say things are going well for the Red Sox and they've only lost once or they haven't lost at all since the last time we spoke. Uh, That is not the case this week. This is probably the lowest point we've seen for the Red Sox this season they had a miserable trade deadline which we're going to spend most of the show talking about they also got swept by the rays which i'm sure will also come up plenty uh but brian i think you're strangely excited to talk about all of the bad things happening with the red sox right now
1: oh man misery is my milieu i am (laughs) thrilled to be able to talk about this how do you talk about things when everything is just great and working out hard you know we've been surprisingly hard you've been agreeing it's like ah this is great what do we have to talk about now we got some meat we got meat
0: and potatoes that we can go over yeah i still don't know how much we'll disagree but we definitely have some uh some new things to talk about and like i said most of the show is going to be um trade deadline stuff and I figure the easiest way to just jump in is to just go through the individual trades first. The Red Sox made three deals before the deadline. Um, let's talk about those, and then we can look more big picture at what they did, what they didn't do, all of that good stuff. But we'll start we'll start where the Red Sox started, and that is with their biggest trade of the deadline came in uh, Thursday night. They traded uh, right-handed pitching prospect Aldo Ramirez for Kyle Schwarber. Kyle Schwarber, who was just destroying baseballs for the month of June before getting hurt. Uh, he is still on the injured list, but he should be back hopefully within the next couple of weeks. So just in a vacuum, Schwarber for Ramirez. Did you like this deal?
1: Sure. Yeah, what's not to like? Um, I thought it was... I thought at the time it was pretty indicative of the way the Red Sox would go about the deadline, which turned out to be right, which was looking for the, the lowest price deals and scraping, uh, looking to spend as little as possible and get back whatever they could for it. And they sort of just swooped into the Nationals after the Max Scherzer deal, which was a little bit bigger. Just a tiny bit. And I mean, I don't, I I frankly don't see any downside to the deal in a vacuum because um, if you start to, and we will get to this, start to gauge it against what they, what I might have preferred they'd uh, do or what maybe they quote unquote should have done, it doesn't look as great. But by itself, I think it's, you know, pretty much exactly in line maybe not exactly in line maybe schwarbert could be an actual first baseman and not just a wannabe first baseman or we want him to be <laughs>
0: yeah we want but to it seems
1: it seems to be you know it makes sense for a team that's contending to get a bat like schwarbers for cheap i assume you agree with that
0: Mostly, I don't know. I I think I disagree with it being super cheap. I don't think they overpaid. I don't think they paid too much. I'm certainly not going to criticize the Red Sox for giving up Aldo Ramirez. I did like Aldo Ramirez, but Schwarber, like you said, I mean, he checks a lot of boxes. I mean, the dude can mash. He can destroy right-handed pitching. Um, I thought at the time of the deal, I was pretty – I don't know if excited is the right word, but I was – happy with it I th- I thought it was a good start to what they needed to do the problem as we'll get to was the follow-up um, they didn't really follow it up and I think that kind of leaves them in a tough position roster wise but just I mean just in a vacuum Schwarber he is going to strike out a lot I think that was probably the only part of it that I found weird just because one of the things that Alex Gore has said about this lineup pretty much all season is that they need to do a better job of making contact, especially with runners on base. So I was a little surprised that their addition to the lineup was somebody who strikes out about 30% of the time. That said, he's, he's still a great hitter despite striking out that much. I mean, he already has 25 home runs this season in 72 games. That's not going to be a pace that we're going to see when he comes back, but he can hit the ball out of the ballpark. He can Draw a ton of walks. Um, he hits fair I mean, a decent average considering how much he strikes out in today's game. Um, so I mean, yeah. In a vacuum, I think it was all set. But I think the next part of it is when you look at it against this Red Sox roster, and especially with no other moves being made for the position player side of things, the fit is a little strange. It's a little unclear. Um, what do you think his role is going to be? Where Where do you see him? Fitting into this roster and getting his playing time. I, I
1: don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe first base. Maybe I mean, that was. We wanted them to get someone to play first base. They got someone. Will he play first base? I don't know. But if not, he's got to rotate through the outfield. I mean, those are the only options, right?
0: Or, I mean, theoretically, I guess DH and you put Martinez in the outfield, but that's sort of the same thing in a way. Um,
1: well, now that Kevin are Plawecki's are DH and J.D. is playing in the outfield. Yeah. I, mean,
0: I mean, it's just, uh, I don't know, there's a lot going on. I I, I almost think that they don't know yet. I feel, It seems like they got the bat that they know is going to help, and now it's just a, they're going to see where he plays I could I mean I definitely think that first base is going to happen when it first when the trade first went down my assumption was that it was the plan was just first base and he was just going to be a better hitting Frenchie Cordero as in just like a big corner outfielder moving over to first base but with the way Jaron Duran is swinging I think there's a chance if Duran keeps struggling the way that he is by the time Schwarber comes back, if he hasn't turned around, it wouldn't be all that surprising to me if Duran went down and it was Schwarber getting the bulk of his time in the outfield. I definitely think he will see some first-base time, but the more I think about it, the less I think it's going to be almost all first-base, and it's I think he's just going to be moving around. I, think when, I also think against lefties, he's probably going to sit, maybe not all the time, but a decent amount of the time, and then be the bat to come off the bench, sort of like Mitch Moreland was for some of his time here. Um, Which again, I think in a vacuum, that makes sense. That's the kind of player that you really need in a playoff run, and they they can sort of play an outsized role like a Moreland or like a Steve Pierce, but when it's not combined with anything else, I think it is a little bit tricky, and it does, it gives more runway I guess for Bobby Dalbeck to just keep getting playing time and that that seems like the biggest disaster out of the lack of moves on the position player side to me
1: I mean I think I agree with you on the Duran thing though I mean that makes sense because one way to solve if we acknowledge that there's a Bobby Dal, Bobby Dalbeck issue and just sort of quantify it another way to fix uh, the same quantity of problem is to remove the Jaron Duran problem and mitigate the Dahlbeck problem by having Schwarber uh, platoon with him. So it does, I mean, it seems to me like the cost that the, they wanted a bat and the cost was the major dictating factor of what bat they got and not the fit. And I mean, I think that's pretty clear. If it was the fit, it would have been like Carlos Santana who mentioned the strikeouts. Less of an issue there.
0: So... There was a report to, uh, who knows how um, real this report was, but there was a report that the Red Sox were pushing for Santana. The Royals didn't want to deal him. I can kind of see the Royals doing that because they are... They do sort of buck the trend in terms of bad teams where they're willing to hold on to some good players to be just regular bad instead of super bad. So I can kind of see that. Um, but there were other options even beyond Santana. That didn't make sense.
1: Yes. Um, though, and I mean, obviously Anthony Rizzo is going to come up in this conversation, but...
0: I mean, we can bring, su- bring it up right now if you want.
1: Well, I'm not surprised the Red Sox didn't get rizzo and part of the reason is you know the yankees made some big moves but the yankees have to make some big moves i'm not saying that excuses the red sox but i do think that the and i mean certainly the blue jays went big i mean went huge and that's also uh as much as i think you and i look at it and a lot of people look at it and say hey if you're at the top of the division The Dodgers, I mean, they're not at the top of the division, but what do they have, the second-best record in baseball? I mean, they are
0: going to make the playoffs. They're, like, assured that, basically.
1: Matt, they're going to win the World Series. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to win the World Series. Um, They're going to win the World Series every year for, like, the next five years. Anyhow, um, we look at it, and I don't think we're wrong to look at it, like – if you're at the top, you should put the gas pedal down, but that's Dave Dombrowski baseball. That's not high in bloom baseball. And I think that the AL East moves represented a window into the way the teams are looking at it and that the Red Sox already felt like they were competitive enough to win a World Series and so they were, supp- you know, they were lightly supplementing what they had done, because that's what the long-term economic... I mean, Haim Bloom said as much. They took a long-term approach at the deadline. And teams that are facing bigger crises in the short-term took a short-term approach. Now, often, those short-term approaches to get better players pay off in the (laughs) long-term. Because winning is its own reward, and then people stay, and yada yada yada.
0: That's Uh, the part of it that that typically seems to be missed is that winning helps the long term. But yeah, we've. I I mean, if I were a Blue
1: Jays fan, I'd be just ecstatic. I mean, the team is back. I know that they're way back, but the team is back. They got Barrios. Yeah, they gave up two. Big prospects, but they're still prospects. And for the Blue Jays, I mean, they just must be. And they got
0: Burrios for next year too. It's not like they, right? Exactly. That it, well,
1: that's the other part. Yes, they also get him for next year. They, I think that hap- they're happy. We're not so happy right now. I don't no. think.
0: I, I think that was the difference between, um, I mean, all these teams' approaches. The Blue Jays, they're I mean, I'm not they're certainly not punting on this year. Obviously they are still enough in it that they are making a push, but I think that was as much about next year too, because obviously their core is right there. And then for the Yankees, they're in a, I mean, they're in a desperate position. They, they just are, they haven't won in a long time. Their fans are getting restless. They really needed some sort of uh, wake up call so that I think you were right in that they had to go in, in a way that, the Red Sox should have gone in, but they didn't necessarily have to. The Yankees had to. Um, I've talked
1: about it a bunch, but this morning dropping my daughter off at camp, I heard the sad Aaron Boone clips on the radio this morning. Oh, it was so great. It was so great talking about how <laughs> I think Luis Rojas no-hit them for five innings last night. And he's just doing his sad sack routine. Oh, it's beautiful.
0: The only thing I saw from the Yankees game last night, or Monday night, I should say, I guess, um, was the cat on the field, and I did, I did get a kick of the get a kick from uh, the cat being on the field. That was fun. Yeah, I um, who doesn't like a cat on the field? Exactly. So, you, are you satisfied once Kyle Schwarber is in the lineup and inserted? However, you are, do you think they did enough offensively?
1: Well, they certainly offended a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, I don't know if they did. Uh, I don't. I, I'm uh, Schwarber's great, and I mean, it's like a, he's like an emissary from the 2004 team uh, that's come to uh, be on this one. <laughs> it'll be it'll be really neat to have him in there, yeah. But. Uh, are they better yes are they enough better i think the consensus is probably not but we will see
0: well i think you're talking about offense offense i'm only talking about the lineup Yeah. yeah specifically the lineup i think it's closer at least i i think you can still make an argument and i probably would agree that they didn't do enough offensively but i think for me at least and i think the um consensus is that the is more towards the lack of pitching help but i will say they didn't even like with Schwarber. all i but really the offense wanted them is the to defense do was, too
1: so you know you have yeah, to count the, the field i guess i should
0: that. say position players rather yeah. than offense um but what i was gonna say i i didn't even need them to make some major splash in addition to Schwarber for the lineup or for the position players i mean i just wanted like a cj crone or like some Right-handed bat who can play first base in case Schwarber just absolutely cannot and who can be a better platoon partner than Bobby Dalbeck. I mean, the Steve Pierce comp was just too easy, but if they could find another Steve Pierce and not necessarily a guy who wins World Series MVP, but a guy who can just be a platoon bat and play first base, that was really all I felt like they needed for the offense, and it really shouldn't have been that difficult to find. But they didn't get it, so I mean, I think I'm not incredibly worried about the offense. I still think, really, it all comes down to how um, Bogarts, Devers, and Martinez are hitting. Um, everybody's kind of in a slump right now, which makes everything feel worse. But if those guys are hitting plus Schwarber, the offense can probably get by. But it still feels like they were just they were one again, not major move, but they were one minor move away from really having a lineup that I could feel good about, and now I just feel okay about it, I guess. Well,
1: when we've talked about it, it's about contingencies, you know, um, because the playoffs are not a big sample. You want to have the right guys for the right situations in the playoffs. And I totally agree with you. I am not convinced. They've, did they improve their positional player field? Yes. Did they... Cover all their bases. I do not think they did.
0: They're putting a lot of pressure on. I guess one of Duran Dahlbeck. I guess you could throw Franchi in that mix of being good down the stretch. And that's. I mean, that's far from a sure thing. It could happen. They're all. They all have the talent, but they. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to feel great about them. Kind of needing that. Um, but I mean, like I said, they have a lot of guys struggling right now. Alex Verdugo is just looks totally lost. Hunter Renfro hasn't really looked the same lately. Christian Vasquez hasn't, has been sort of quietly disappointing this year. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of blame to go around offensively. Um, you had brought up Rizzo specifically for this team. Would you have preferred Rizzo over Schwarber? I mean, narratively, of course,
1: but, um, and i think i think that uh for the cost Schwerber is a is fine um and i again i stress i think that all of this was dictated by the costs i don't yeah uh so i i don't even know how relevant it is i i more learned i think about what the Red Sox are going to be like, then, um, then I am comfortable to sit back and say, "Oh, I should they should have gotten X, Y, or Z because it's just that's just not a
0: thing they're gonna do." Well, I don't know how long that'll last, but well, There's an ownership well, that's, group that has a history of <laughs> overreacting in both directions, pretty pretty wildly. But if they uh, but I, if they uh, fall out of this race and like miss the playoffs or something crazy. I think they're going to go bananas this off season, and probably. I don't. I disagree.
1: I totally. I mean, I don't totally disagree.
0: It's just this ownership's ML is they just they cannot pick a lane. They but no, they
1: do pick a lane and they stick with it for like four five years. Yeah, maybe it's too soon. They're in the economizing lane. Like I don't blame blame high and bloom for being high and bloom. This is what they.
0: This this is is who they they
1: wanted when they got him, it'd be no different than like signing Steph Curry. He's going to shoot threes. You know, he's not going to do a different thing. This is what high and bloom was going to do. And the only thing that will enrage me is if later he's like, Oh yeah, we should have made more moves at the time. No, this is who yeah, he is. Would... This is what yeah. they want to do. And this is what they're going to do. And our mutual friend, Brady has been, uh, more upset than usual. Um, <laughs> justifiably, I think, saying that the team had been overperforming a little bit, especially uh, when you look at run differential. And it's all that the fact that the trade deadline happened at the same time they went into this four game funk um, against the worst possible team to do it against, It uh, it's going to invite all of this. I don't think and Bloom cares too much because he's very much the, the big picture, longer, longer. I mean, that's his thing. But it's going to be interesting if a team that... I mean, the Red Sox made some playoff runs, but with the exception of the uh, ALCS they lost to the Rays they typically were really good at winning it all or just sort of like um, fizzling out and we might be headed for a little in between where they're they get a decent they go a decent way And run up against better teams, not unlike the Rays, who were very good last year, did against a team like the Dodgers, who do right now what the Red Sox did 20 years ago. Oh, my God, 20 years ago. (laughs) Um, But do what we, what I think I can speak for you and I, have generally said is is a good approach when you're good, and that is to just get as good as you possibly can get. And worry about it later. Um, I, I think... I that, mean, I... Oh,
0: God. Yes,
1: the playoffs are capricious. So the Red Sox could still... that You know, nothing is... It's August 3rd when we're recording this. But I don't have a great feeling about the rest of the year. And I think it's justified. I know it's only been a few days, but the pitching is also... Um, it's not inspiring at the
0: moment yeah i mean nothing is really inspiring at the moment and i think the offense is kind of getting let off the hook a little bit just because the pitching has been so bad especially starting pitching lately but i mean the offense has been just so bad with runners on base which feels fluky but while you're watching it it doesn't um but no i mean i think i think i pretty much agree agree with everything you said there and I don't know, I'll have a few more words on that a little bit later, but um, I did just want at to finish least, up Kyle Schwarber. Oh, sorry, what? at least
1: they have the best player on the USA Olympic team. That's nice.
0: That is that is a good thing. Uh, Tristan Casas is who we're referring to, if you did not catch that one. Um, just real quick, uh, Dr. Gentleman Fox on Twitter asked, a realistic time frame for Kyle Schwarber. As far as I know, they're still expecting, I don't know, around – the same time as Chris Sale, which is in the next 10 days to two weeks or so. So that's kind of what I'm expecting for Schwarber um, until they say otherwise. Um, Yeah, so the other two deals the Red Sox made were both for middling relievers, middling middle relievers. Uh, They traded Alex Scherft for... Um, Hansel Robles uh, with the Twins and then they made a deal with the Pirates old friend Ben Charrington, running the Pirates these days he traded for his former first round pick Michael Chavis uh, Red Sox got Austin Davis any thoughts on those two deals specifically either together or as separate entities
1: well Chavis belongs in the Pittsburgh Pirates organization I'll say that he seems tailor made for that team and that's not a compliment. I don't um,
0: know. Oh, I mean I guess player wise. Personality wise I kind of feel bad. He deserves a bigger market cuz he's a cool guy. But
1: Yeah, sure. Um so was Andrew mccutcheon though and that didn't matter. Um That's true. <laughs> these I mean as I said last week, these are the wheel of fortune letter deals that they give you. These deals were just I I don't have much to add about these deals except for they seem pro forma. They were just and this goes again these were very, very, very late breaking deals that fit what I think is the high and bloom approach of getting whatever's left for pennies on the dollar or, you know, 80 cents on the dollar, uh, rather than aiming higher and spending more. I, I don't have many thoughts. Do you have, do you have thoughts?
0: I mean, I think it sucks. Um, i robles has been interesting to me for a few years and maybe they can kind of get something out of him i think he has the potential to be a solid reliever but he just hasn't been for a couple years and he's too inconsistent to really feel great about it even if i see the potential um and i've kind of been getting into alex scherf a little bit these last couple months he's former starter just started relieving this year and he's been pretty good so i could see him being a major league guy at some point pretty uh, pretty near into the future um i truly do not understand the austin davis for michael chavis deal and i don't really feel great about michael chavis but i i just i don't understand the point of the deal i don't know what they see in austin davis i don't understand what he adds to the bullpen that they couldn't just get from somebody that they already had like a I don't know a Caleb Ord or whoever it might be I guess they just really wanted another lefty but he's just never really been good and he's not that young I don't really see the upside I guess he misses a decent amount of bats but that that deal just kind of confused me more than anything um but I mean just more generally they didn't do enough in the bullpen just to be to put it as frankly as possible they 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 needed to get somebody who I think they could feel good about adding to the their core group and I don't think Robles is there like I said I think he has the potential to be that guy and I wouldn't be like totally shocked if by the time we get to late September he is in that group but I don't they I felt like they needed to get somebody who very clearly was in that group right away whether it was I mean Craig Kimber was obviously at the top of the board but I mean there were other guys that were traded that could have fit that mold and they just weren't willing to pay the price for it and this is where I'm most disappointed is what they did with the bullpen which was essentially nothing
1: I mean the White Sox did pay a bunch for Craig Kimball and good for them frankly
0: it was a yeah I mean it was a lot they didn't have to be Craig Kimball I mean there were other guys right
1: um I, I, I agree with you on the Austin Davis thing. It seems to me, you know, I was talking about contingencies. It's like they went, he went with the Austin Davis deal, maybe. I mean, Chavis' skill set is duplicated several times over by that sort of pool of Red Sox players they have.
0: I would have rather have traded. So when that trade first came through I first saw the Chavis part and I kind of assumed that they were just trading him to get him off the 40 man I think I would have preferred them to just trade Chavis for like an 18 year old uh, prospect in like the Dominican Summer League and then not have to DFA uh, Marcus Wilson and that would be the way to clear the 40 man I just don't understand why they needed to bring in Austin Davis it just I don't know that felt like a mismanagement of the whole and with Marcus Wilson, that whole, that whole like string of transactions just felt like mismanaging the roster to me. And that is as much as I you were saying earlier that some of it's not on Hein Bloom, and I agree with you, this is kind of who he is. I did, I do feel like he kind of biffed the bottom of the 40 man here.
1: Yeah, that's that's fair. I just think that this is preparing. Look, we're talking about contingencies, and I would say that needing a Steve Pierce type or the use of a Steve Pierce type in the playoffs is a lot more likely than needing this one extra lefty reliever in case you need need to face a lefty batter who also can't be that good because Austin Davis isn't that good.
0: And when you also have Josh Taylor and Darwins and Hernandez, Darwins and Hernandez is hurt right now. Hopefully he'll be back by the playoffs, but it's not like they don't have any left-handed relievers. Two of their core relievers are lefties. It's just, it is bizarre. Or they could have, I mean, the other option coming back to marcus wilson because this one i mean the marcus wilson thing really kind of bothered me they could i don't understand why they didn't add him into a michael chavis package they could have gotten something better than austin davis rather than it was just weird the, like i said the austin davis just really confused me i was so when i googled him to look at his numbers after the trade and i opened his baseball reference page For a solid three minutes, I had assumed that I was looking at the wrong Austin Davis because it just made no sense to me. I was totally perplexed.
1: Yeah, it's not great. It's not great. Well, it put us over. I mean, those two deals put us over the 1.5. We said we'd be over. So at least we got that going for us.
0: Well, there we go. Um, Do you think Shaves is going to put it together in Pittsburgh? You can use whatever definition of put it together. I guess you would want, like... No, I think he's
1: a quad A player, which is why I said I think he belongs in Pittsburgh.
0: Yeah, I don't. I've always been a believer, but he just looks so bad. Um, I definitely don't think it would have ever happened to Boston. I don't think the opportunities would would be there. Um, I could see him being like a starter on a bad team. I could see him kind of carving out a starting role and hitting like seventh for the Pirates for the next three years or something before he hits arbitration and then kind of floating around. But that feels like the best case scenario. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, All right. So we look forward at this bullpen. I mean, is it, so I wrote on our little note sheet here, what the pecking order is. I guess we can go with that or, I mean, the more I think about it more specifically, do you have faith in Adam Modovino moving forward down the stretch run with no, I mean, unless you believe in Robles, I guess he doesn't really have that kind of life support that we were talking about last week with a guy that you can kind of throw and keep him fresh. I guess I'm not really asking the question right now. Are you, do they have enough, If every, assuming everybody stays healthy in the back of their bullpen? Is, are you concerned about the talent or are you just concerned about the depth? I don't know if this question makes any sense.
1: I don't know if it does either. Um, I think that sales return and the bumping of a starter to the bullpen will clarify what they are working with. Back there. I think they have. <laughs> this is very easy to say. If the guys pitch well, they got enough guys. Um, and if they don't, they don't. And they, they have some. I, I mean, I don't know. To, to answer the question you kind of asked, I don't think. When you say count on Ottavino. I don't know if they can count <laughs> on him to win in the biggest spots, but they don't have a choice. They're they are counting on him. So, well, their choice would this...
0: be somebody else, I guess. But I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the same questions can be asked of anybody else. To me, to me, the key might be just I. I. I don't know if I see them doing this, but the best answer to me might just be push Garrett Whitlock more than you were planning on, Uh, because they've been very cautious with how they used him all year and for good reason. Uh, For all the reasons we've talked about, this Tommy John and he didn't really pitch last year and all of that. But I mean, if Ottavino keeps struggling like he is, and I think you really gotta lean on Whitlock even more, and that could have that could end up having some bad consequences for the future. Um, So they're they're in a tough spot that they could have solved by just getting a better reliever, but they didn't.
1: But but I wouldn't put it past them to do that because as much as Bloom says he's looking long term, I think he and first of all, I mean Bloom is not the manager; he's the general manager. But well, they were talking about right. But my point is that I don't know. Yeah, they want Garrett Whitlock to have a long and healthy career and win eight Cy Young Awards and World Series MVPs, sure. But it's the cost of players that he's worried about. And he has Garrett Whitlock and he got him for nothing. So I wouldn't be surprised if they leaned on him more than, than, was, than was wise in a vacuum because I think that they look at the entirety of of this season's deals is giving them the pool of players they have. And clearly they looked at the trade deadline as just round doing the slightest rounding of their, their work there and not. uh, I mean, clearly thinks that the, the bullpen work was almost done because if you're adding Austin Davis, you can't really think that there was a lot left to do. And am... my my whole thing has just been, he's gonna live like everyone's just gonna live with what happens. We're gonna see what happens when you take this approach, and there's n- there's nothing you can do about it.
0: Um, there is nothing. I can, well, I can complain about it on the internet. Well, yes, but we're gonna do that anyway. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, that is true. Um, I do. I am really curious how Tanner Hulk plays into all this, because I mean, we kind of talked about it last week. He could. He could be the guy instead of Whitlock, I guess, but given the way that the rotation looks right now and with basically everybody trending in the wrong direction, I've said that I don't really love Hulk as a starter, but I don't love any of these other guys as a starter either right now, and I kind of don't know that you can afford to put Hulk in that relief role, um, and I wonder how much that played into their decision. So, I mean, they have options, but it seems like you're robbing Peter to pay Paul to use an old expression i mean it's i don't know it just doesn't doesn't seem like there's any easy answers except for like you said the pitchers have to pitch well which seems like it's asking for a lot but who knows
1: and in fairness in fairness it's four games in a row they lost that's not great the timing weekend,
0: of those four games was—it could not have been worse with the deadline being followed kiss. by that sweet. It it's just could not kiss. have been worse.
1: Yeah, well, that's—I wrote the Linus post on Sunday. It's like it really just came down to the Sunday game because if they yeah. had won on Sunday, they'd be back in first place, and everyone would just wipe it all away and just be like, okay.
0: You know what? I don't know if it would have been wiped away, but it would have been it, the reaction, the feeling around the team would have been much, much different. Plus, having a day off on Monday, exactly, where you just got to stew in it for a little more. Just yeah, it did not. It did not work out well. Um, no,
1: it's it's uh, and like next week we could come back and be like, hey, everything's great again. But I, I also, do, I I also kind of, and this is what I was saying that Brady was saying is. The other shoe with these starters has always been kind of ready to drop, which is the whole reason they got them for the prices and deals
0: they got them well, for so my, to begin with. I guess I didn't agree with this, and it's turning out that I was wrong. But to me, the other shoe dropping always meant injuries. I was always fairly confident, not super confident, but decently confident in the talent on the staff it was really the health but i mean the talent just hasn't been there so like i said i just i kind of whiffed on that assessment at least that's what it looks like right now i'm Um, I'm not gonna i'm not
1: gonna argue with you (laughs) on that one
0: you actually we'll, we'll talk about that in a second but i did you had been talking about um the cost in terms of the prospects they'd be giving up But I think it was pretty clear that the cost in terms of the finances was part of the equation, too, because the Red Sox just barely, as far as I've seen at least, are staying under that luxury tax threshold. Hard to imagine that wasn't intentional. I don't really have a question. I just, it really, the way we talk about the luxury tax really pisses me off, especially this year and some of the... Writing I've seen about it, explaining all of the long term ramifications for going over the luxury tax without mentioning that the cba is expiring this year and everything is probably gonna change at least a little bit, so we really don't know what the long term ramifications all that like I said, I don't really have a question. I don't want to spend an hour ranting about this, but it I just wanted to mention that uh that presumably came from ownership and uh it sucks.
1: Well yeah, and that's what I'm saying that while the Ownership has whipsawed between extremes. It tends to do so in five to seven year um, increments, and we are still. I mean, we in what, the, two? at the and yeah in the front of the. Well, this is this is how we're going to do things. We're going to stay under, and we're going to make. We're going to stay under. And we're going to the deals will be restricted de facto by that. And yeah, I, I totally agree with you, uh, especially with regard to the CBA stuff. And if I may quickly mention the Patriots, people were the opposite, total opposite situation with the Patriots where people were getting on them for spending all this money. Um, and there's all these contracts cost too much money and they are a little bit overpriced for this year. But the NFL's cap is going to go way up next year, and they have these guys signed for multiple years. And next year, the contracts aren't going to—they're just going to look normal. If if anything, they might look cheap. I just find that people have a very uh, myopic view of these things, and they see what they want to see. Uh, that probably includes us. But I, I was want going to say to see... I think
0: we might fit there too. But I don't sure, know. we're right, R- we're current. Right, exactly. So
1: so <laughs> screw them. <laughs>
0: Um, So I guess we should, I'm kind of bouncing back and forth here a little bit, but um, I, we probably should spend a little more time on this rotation where the Red Sox also didn't do a single thing. Um, We had talked about the rotation last week and whether or not they needed to make a move, and I think we both felt like they could, but it wasn't necessarily what they needed to do. They didn't do what we thought they needed to do. But since we've talked also, the rotations only continued to go downhill. Are you more worried, even just compared to last week, about their inactivity in the rotation? Uh, yeah,
1: because they now uh, not only are the... I mean, I'm really talking about Perez, Richards, and... Uh, who's the other guy? Pivetta. Um, really talking about those three guys. I've never had much confidence that they were going to be under four ERA guys for the season, and they are starting to reward my confidence in that. Uh, but on top of that, they now have to face Joey Gallo, Anthony Rizzo, and Nelson Cruz. It's and it's not— And everybody
0: in the Blue Jays lineup.
1: And Right. They already have to face everyone in the Blue Jays lineup, and now they have— And yeah, it's three guys, but Gallo and Cruz are just incredible. And like Rizzo is still, it's uh, still Anthony Rizzo. He's still Anthony Rizzo. So when it gets down to the uh, sort of beginning of the season view of it, when you're looking at the AL East as a four-way dogfight and the Sox and Rays have sort of pulled away, there might be some clawing back of. I mean, the whole reason the Yankees did what they did was to claw back. And if they're going to claw back, they got to do it from someone. And having Anthony Rizzo and Joey Gallo is going to help you against subpar starting pitching. And the Red Sox have benefited from the Yankees being stank. Uh, and in the. During a lot of the year and having a lot of injuries. But that's not the case anymore. And it does concern me. Yeah, I think for a, me, a lot of regular okay. regression concerned me. And then they took three very, very good hit. And yeah, it's only three guys, but it's three guys against teams. They play a lot and games that are going to mean a lot against pitchers who probably who are just I'm sorry, those three guys are just not as good as those hitters are good at hitting. It's just relatively I mean, that's speaking. Not,
0: yeah, that's that's that shouldn't be controversial. Um to me, the my biggest reason for buying into this rotation, I guess if that's what we're gonna call what I was doing, um it came down a lot to me being confident in Eduardo Rodriguez, and I talked about that last week, and it was only one start, but his last start really put some fear in me that he might actually just not turn this around. And I think I really think the rotation, he he is the swing in this rotation. I think Evaldi is going to be Evaldi. He's not going to be an ace, but he's going to be fine. Hopefully Chris Aile is going to be Chris Aile. I guess we don't know that, but until we see otherwise, I think I'm probably just penciling that in. They really kind of... If they have Rodriguez looking like a solid number two, this rotation looks totally different. But if he's with the Perez, Pavetta, and Richards of the world, and he's barely a guy that you want starting a playoff game, probably a guy you don't want starting a playoff game right now, It's just, it really makes this whole rotation so much worse. So I think, for me, that's where I'm differing from last week is fairly with Eduardo Rodriguez. And he, he makes a start on, I guess, tonight when you're listening to this. So this is a it's, – it's not the biggest start of the season because it's a game against the Tigers, but this is – for my feeling about the rotation, this feels like the biggest start of the season. They they just need him to turn around.
1: He's got to be a number two, not a number
0: two. <laughs> He's being the wrong kind of number two. Um. One last thing about, I guess this is this was sort of my takeaway from the deadline, and I'm probably gonna write something about this for today when you're listening to this because it's been on my mind for the last few days. But they're putting they're the Red Sox are putting a lot of pressure on a lot of things that are on shaky foundation, I guess um, is how you could put it. I mean, they need they sort of need Kyle Schwarber to. Be able to play first base and stay hitting at the same time. They need Jaron Duran to learn how to hit major league pitching when it's extremely clear from a lot of these top prospects that it is not easy right now. Jumping from the minors to the majors, they need Chris Sale to come back. Like I said, and be Chris Sale uh, coming out of coming off Tommy John and having not pitched for a couple of years. They need they may need Garrett Whitlock to pitch way more than anyone would have expected in higher stretch situations. I mean, they just have all of these things. They need, they kind of need Ryan Brazier to come back at some point and look like he did a few years ago. None of these things are guaranteed and the odds are just, I don't know, if they're, they're slim. They're, they're slim. I think that every, all of those things happen at once. Um, again, I don't really have a question, but this is just, this is sort of my overarching concern is that they didn't get any certainty in this group yeah it's not great it doesn't it doesn't feel great it's not good um yeah. so i guess that's sort of the end of the trade deadline talk although i mean everything around this team right now comes down to what they did and did not do at the trade deadline what everybody else didn't did not do and we were just talking about the timing of it all and the sweep of the Rays coming right after panic is starting to come for the Red Sox fans is, is the panic valid is the division slipping away Are the Rays clearly a step ahead at this point.
1: I'd say the panic is a natural reaction, but probably an overreaction at this point, Red Sox are still very good and they won a lot of games and that's the thing. Games count in April as much as they count in September. They won those games. You know, they're in this spot. Uh, Are the Rays clearly a step ahead? I would say yes, but I don't think that that's not within a couple bounces. You know, this a step in baseball can be if, you know, if Ivaldi goes on a nuclear streak uh, or something like that could balance it out. I don't think all is lost I think that the Red Sox will probably stay ahead of the Blue Jays and Yankees and if they don't it's going to be a long long rest of the year Um, but I don't feel good about the division right now I I mean I don't I think they can hang but I don't think that I would favor them over the Rays especially after what just happened and you were saying a lot of the prospects have had trouble adjusting, but it seems like Wander Franco has now adjusted because in the last uh, couple weeks, he's, uh, I believe he had two hits in every game in the Red Sox series and has come around and hopefully Jaron Duran can follow his lead in that. Well, that however
0: that was, was part of the reason they could have called him up a little bit earlier and given him some time so they didn't throw him right into this race, but that's too late for that
1: yeah i don't i don't feel good about the division right now and I think that uh even if i were to i mean we were saying this last week after the nelson Cruz trade that we considered the raise to be i think a step ahead or at least equal but i and it was contingent on what the Red sox did and I don't think they did anything yeah. that to turn that around except lose three games to the ray. So uh, now that they're behind them looking up, it, it doesn't feel great.
0: No. Um, I mean, I think I agree. The panic is probably a little too much, but it was also, I mean, it's also natural. I'm feeling it as well. I'm certainly not looking down upon anybody panicking. It would be strange, I guess, not to. Fangraphs does... Continue to give the Red Sox better odds. Uh, they're still giving them a forty, about a forty-eight percent chance of winning the division. Uh, baseball prospectus, very much on the other side, twenty-three percent, where the Rays have are about fifty-three percent. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the Rays have to be the favorite, but I mean, if Chris, you mentioned of all if Chris Sale comes back and is Chris Sale, I think that's such a huge lift, and not only for his starts, but I think that has the potential to be the sort of intangible thing that can kind of be lift all the rising tide lift all boats type thing and get some of the other pitchers on track maybe just with his presence that might be just hoping wishful thinking more than anything else but that i do think is some something of a valid possibility but that really that really feels like the big difference maker um
1: well i really do think that the blue jays and yankees are going to present probably bigger problems for a team like the Red Sox whose starting pitching is a little bit wafflier because um, you know they're not giving up <laughs> they're no they're going well, they're going full speed ahead and uh, that I'm more worried about losing about facing them uh, not I mean I suspect they will finish ahead of both of them but I still their improvements scare me for the Red Sox more than they scare me for the Rays.
0: Yeah, no, I mean that's that's a valid point. I mean, they especially with the Yankees adding the bats, um I mean the Blue Jays already had the bats, but the Yankees adding those extra bats um definitely makes it a tougher matchup. You said I mean, you said you were worried about them making a run is there one team you're more worried about than the other?
1: Well you Love and I said all year if the Blue Jays got another starter, they would be terrifying. And they yep. did. <laughs> so I'm I'm scare I'm They both scare me. Uh no, they scare me equally. They scare me equally.
0: I'm I see, I thought you were gonna go with the blue jays and I was going to agree. Um, but I was also going to say, I'm scared by not being more scared of the Yankees. Like, I just, I'm scared of the possibility of underestimating the Yankees. Because, I mean, they do still have a talented, talented roster when you add in Joey Gallo and you add in Anthony Rizzo. I mean, that makes a difference. I'm still not totally completely sold on their pitching, but I mean, they did add also Andrew Heaney to their rotation. I don't know. I, I think you're probably right to be equally scared of both and, uh, It's not a good feeling to be scared of teams on both sides of the Red Sox. Well, Garrett Cole does have COVID, so we'll see what happens with that. Yeah. Um, All right, I had a few more things, but uh, we're going pretty long, so we don't have to. We touched on some of this stuff anyways. Um, I did just want to mention, um, we talked about it last week, but it is official. Judd Fabian did not sign. Uh, He's going back to college. I don't know if you had anything else to say about that, but I just wanted to uh, put that out there in case anybody had missed it. I want to thank uh, the Mets for letting
1: the Red Sox off. Of
0: <laughs> yeah, in case you missed that, uh, the Mets did not sign Kumar Rocker, which is, uh, yeah, definitely took the Red, some heat off the Red Sox. Um, and Rocker's not even going back to college. He's going just to work on himself. Yeah. Um, All right, a few listener questions here before we wrap up, uh, starting with uh, Ben Michael asking about Tristan Casas and if there's a possibility of him coming up in September.
1: You know, I would have said no. Um, But if the first base situation is just a disaster, like if Schwarber can't do it because Schwarber – as a power left-handed bat fills a lot of the same um, offensive profiles as Casas, But if no one can catch the ball, who's ele- <laughs> I mean, they have Franchi, but
0: who's also got I a first think, base. right. I think so he's looked th- okay, but he's, yeah,
1: I, I still don't think it's going to happen, but I would
0: say 10% i'd go lower than that i'd say like one percent um casas hasn't been that great this year he's been fine like he hasn't been concerning or anything but um i mean we talked a little bit about this way back at the start of the year about the possibility of casas coming up and i think we kind of said he needed to really push himself up um and when he combine the jump that we've talked about the jump right now from triple a um, to the majors and Cas has only been a double A and on Team USA. Um it just it feels like there's a good possibility that he just wouldn't even be able to hit that well anyways. It just I'm still very high on Casas moving forward and for the rest of his career, but for this year I don't see him even if they did call him up, I think he would be a probably a net negative at the plate, to be honest with you. Just because I mean it's been such a hard jump for everybody. Go to hell. <laughs> I probably will. Um, a great big Lark uh, asked with sale, most likely coming back August 12th. Um, he says, let's say they stick with the as a starter and go back to a five man rotation. What are they going to do with Richards and Perez? Uh, do we really think they're going to be effective out of the bullpen?
1: Well, I think he answered his own question as to what they're going to do with them. Um, do I? I I, I don't have any idea. I really don't.
0: I don't know that Perez is going to be taken out of the rotation. I think I do still think that Hulk is going to be sort of a reliever slash. They'll go with a six man rotation sometimes. I do think Richards will get taken out of the rotation, especially if he does poorly tonight or last night when you're listening so you already know what he did um i wouldn't be surprised if he just got cut i think they would try him out of the bullpen but it's not even like he's had the stuff but his command hasn't been there as a starter i mean his stuff has been garbage too i don't he's a guy that earlier in the year i thought his stuff would play up in the bullpen i know i no longer think that so i i'm kind of thinking that richards is just out of the organization by september
1: that makes sense. I mean, he came out and was like, "I can't pitch anymore because they don't want me use my stuff."
0: Said, yeah, he said, and that was a couple months ago, and he's still starting every five days for this team, which is uh, which is not great. All right, uh, last question comes from W. C. Stevenson, uh, who is asking uh, the best re- uh, writers to follow for Red Sox content that isn't strictly news. Obviously. Is it, isn't it everybody us? Everybody head over the monster. It's yeah, us. obviously that's going to be the answer. That feels like cheating. So if we want to say anybody else, um, I would just say Alex Spear, I think, is probably um, is probably up there as well as Jim McCaffrey and Chad Jennings, both of the athletic are two of my favorites. But, yeah, you kind of teed me up to just say everybody head over the monster, and that's it. Uh, we got to say Corey, too. We like Corey. Yeah, Matthew McElroy, Corey as well. Uh, Sox Outsiders. Newsletter and a podcast. If um, you
1: are annoyed about something that happens in a Red Sox game, Matt is annoyed too. <laughs> and you will read about it. I that mean that is as a compliment.
0: True. It is it is the highest compliment. Um I like reading people that are, are articulating what I'm annoyed about better than I could. Um yeah, so that's gonna do it for probably our most upsetting podcast of the season. So far, hopefully, this season. Yeah, going to say, this season. So far, <laughs> uh, hopefully, that will stand the test of time, uh, but we will see. Uh, we hope you listened or you enjoyed to uh, you enjoyed listening to today's podcast. I can't speak anymore. Uh, please. Uh, subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts leave us a rating and a review uh you can follow us on twitter i run the over the monster account at over the monster brian is at brian joiner brian with a y joiner with an i and uh yeah you can read all of that aforementioned writing at overthemonster.com. and we'll be back with you next week